Welcome to the Ditch That Textbook Podcast, your source for practical teaching ideas using technology, creativity, and student engagement. Listen, learn, and plan your lessons for class tomorrow. Now here are your hosts, Matt Miller and Carly Mora. Well, welcome to 2024. This is our first episode of the podcast in the new year. It's always, you know, it's in like the middle of the school year, but it always seems like whenever we turn over the calendar, it's like new year, new opportunities, kind of a fresh new start, you know, fresh new calendar and everything. Carly, you kind of feel the same way? Yeah. I always think back, I start January and then I start thinking about beginning of the school year ideas because a couple of weeks is a long time to be away from your school community. And um, so it is kind of like a fresh start. And and for like high school and middle school teachers, you might have a brand new class this year. So right. um, or this semester. So, yeah, it is. It's like like turning over a new leaf and starting new. Yeah. So we're excited to get to turn over this new leaf with you as you <laughs> listen to the the podcast. And so we've got all sorts of great stuff for you. Um, some news and updates. We're going to talk about AI and our big idea, and we got all sorts of things to share. So let's dive right into it. News and updates. So to kick off our news and updates, we've got some new features in Adobe Express. And if you've never used Adobe Express before, it is a fantastic suite of tools that let you do all sorts of cool, creative things. So Carly, what are some of the new things that they've got going on over there? Yeah, Adobe has done a whole revamp of their editor. And so if you used to use Adobe Spark, you'll be very, very excited when you jump into Adobe Creative Express because there's some pretty cool updates. They've got an all-in-one editor, which is very user-friendly and, um, you're really going to enjoy like how how to find everything. It's all right there, very easy to use. And another cool feature is that Firefly is integrated into Adobe Express, which is their AI image creation tool. So you can use text to uh, to image and you can create some really amazing images using AI. Um, but I think my favorite, favorite feature um, that Adobe Creative Express has in it is that you can make multiple versions of a design um, inside one project. So a lot of times when we're in a design tool, we might be creating something for, let's say, a presentation um, in the and you might be creating a landscape and then you want to but you want to create it also for Instagram in Adobe Creative Express. You can create multiple sizes in one project, which I think is my favorite, favorite thing about the updates. And there's a lot of cool updates. So um, a few other things is that they have template locking. So if you want to create, if you're creating with a lot of people, especially if you've got a brand that you're creating, um, or if you're working with students, you can create a template and you can lock it so that um, others can't edit it. And then um, there's real-time co-editing and um, review. So when you're creating something with someone else, you guys can be creating it at the same time. So there's um, other updates um, that they've had in Adobe Creative Express. And we have a post on the Ditch That Textbook website that summarizes them for you, gives you a lot of links to all these updates with some examples. And we will add those in the show notes. 
Yeah, this is this is really cool. The all-in-one editor editor's really nice where they've got everything just in one place. You don't have to bounce around to different tools like you used to. And I know Adobe has kind of like recreated this thing from scratch. You know, like if you got an old building, they just like knocked the old one down and built something brand new up in its place and it's it's pretty incredible. And that real-time co-editing too. That's one of the things that I've always loved about Google Slides. And a lot of the Google tools is that you can do that, um, you know, sort of like collaboration all at the at the same time, that simultaneous collaboration. And now that's come to Adobe Express, too. So that's super cool. One other quick little bit of news that you may or may not have caught is that I'm uh, I'm teaching in the classroom again. Uh, I had actually I had to go back and count all of the years I left. I was teaching high school Spanish. Um, all the way till about, what was it like 2015, I think. So it's been eight years since I've taught in the classroom and the Spanish teacher at the school where my wife teaches and where both of my daughters go to school, uh, was going to leave mid year, like after the fall semester. So they needed a teacher for the spring semester. And I was like, Hey, Maybe I should try this out, you know, get to sharpen my teaching skills, get to try some of these things that I've uh, been talking about uh, through Ditch That Textbook for all this time. So uh, as of the recording of this, we're recording it um, on Friday. I'm through two days. I've survived two days as a teacher now and um, really, really enjoying it. I've got a bunch of great kids. Um, and so we'll we'll see. I, I you know I'm very aware that I'm in the honeymoon period right now means that everybody's happy and everybody's engaged and everybody's attentive and uh, we'll see how it is in the middle of the semester but so far so good and I will definitely uh, keep you all up to date on how things are going in the podcast but back in the classroom and pretty excited about it the big idea So we're finally wrapping up the Ditch Summit. This is, of course, our free online conference that we offer for educators in December every year leading up to the, the first week in January. And so we just wrapped that up. It finally just closed this weekend. And my goodness, we've had folks from all over the world. I mean, like thousands and thousands of teachers participating in this, watching the video presentations, generating the certificates of completion, downloading the notes and sharing about it on social media and everything. It's always, always a lot of fun to, um, you know, to get to put this on and see, uh, see that, that people are appreciating it. And so what we thought we'd do for this, um, for this, this big idea today is to recap my session on AI you know, um, talking about AI in, in schools today, tomorrow, and in the future. And so um, what I ended up doing in that session was, um, you know, I, I talked for the first half of it about how AI can help me right now. And then I started to kind of like cast a vision a little bit about where AI might be headed and how education might be impacted on it. So um, so, so to, to kind of recap, that first part of it was how AI can help me right now. And I know if you're listening to this, if you've dabbled in chat GPT or magic school or Adobe Firefly um, to generate images or like whatever, 
um, you probably have some ideas of how how this uh, how this can work too. In fact, Carly, before I she didn't know I was going to do this. Before I get into my list, um, are there any things that sort of stand out to you as far as some of the most helpful ways that you've seen educators using AI right now? I think like you, like you said, just to gather ideas. And I think for, we just posted a couple weeks ago now about lesson planning and sub planning using AI. And I think just gathering ideas, I've seen like, I've seen a lot of teachers share the prompts that they're using. So I see that it's, like you said, it's the people are dabbling and we're now kind of layering it. And I think that um, there's a lot of really cool like image creators. I think people are using it for fun. <laughs> a lot of times I've seen and we have some cool ideas that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks that people have shared using AI image creators. But definitely um, kind of tweaking those prompts to get the most out of it so that they can um, get make lesson plans. Um, and I think that's what I've seen the teachers do. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, um, I just led a breakout session um, for a, it was like a, a virtual, I, I did my my presentation virtually from home, but it was for a, a conference for teachers in Alabama. And it was, um, it was 10, uh, what was it? 10 AI upgrades to teaching and learning was the the name of the session. And really all we, all we started doing was all, I pulled up all of the, you know, the three of the AI assistants. I was using uh, ChatGPT and Bard and uh, Microsoft Copilot. And I pulled them all up on the same screen. So it was like thirds of the screen. And I kept prompting them about different lesson ideas. And I think one of the, the big things, one of the big takeaways for me is that you don't have to hit the prompt just right. Uh, in fact, if you have more of a conversation with the AI assistant and ask it, you know, like the example that I showed in that session was I asked it for a unit. And then in that unit plan, I said, okay, what would day five in that unit look like? And then it gave me a detailed lesson plan for that. And then you can even drill down into that and say, okay, that little 10 minute activity you have at the beginning of class, what would that look like? But then the way that we made the upgrades to teaching and learning was we took some of those lesson plans and we started asking about things like, how could we differentiate that for students who need a little bit of extra processing time? Or um, how could we use uh, Webb's depth of knowledge and increase the complexity of the thinking and everything? It's just like all of those little follow-ups. If you, if you talk to these AI assistants like as if they were a master teacher whose brain you get to pick um, and just continually ask those questions. And if you don't get what you want, of course, you just go back and say, oh, you know, two weeks. In fact, this is something that happened in that session. I asked her for a two week uh, unit plan and it gave me 14 days. And of course, you know, it, it might not have thought at first that the normal school day for, for, or sorry, the normal school week for most of us is five days long instead of seven. So I could have followed up with it and said, hey, the normal school week is five days, which would mean I need 10 days here. Can you adjust it? And it would have been like, oh yeah, sure. So um, even if you don't get what you need right away, um, you know, that's, th those are just some of the things that, that I've found that have been, been helpful and I love that it's so customizable to what you teach too. You know, like you can you can ask it about whatever whatever it is that that you teach. So, um, Carly, can you think of any other like prompting tips or any other like little things that 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 have been helpful to you as you've as you've dabbled in all this? 
Yeah, I noticed that um, the AI tools like Magic School have they've done this in in their tool where they brought the Reina their chatbot into all of their tools. So I think they noticed that this is something that you need to do. Like you get your response or you get whatever the output is, and then you might need to go back and forth. And I think that it's so nice for us because I don't I don't know about you, Matt, but there's oftentimes I'll have a conversation. We do this all the time where I'll have a conversation and I'll walk away and be like, oh. I should have asked them that, yeah. but, and then you'll write it down and okay, next time I see them, I'll ask them about that. Well, with a chat bot, you don't have to wait. You can just go back in and you could even copy the response or whatever it is. And for a lot of these, they do save your responses, go back in and then edit it. And I think that that is a powerful way. It's a, it's a teaching assistant that never goes away. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about walking away or you could teach the next day and come back to it. And um, I think that it's so powerful to be able to have that back and forth. And I found that I'll write things down like little tips of my own thinking as I'm creating these prompts, like what is it that that I need most of the time? And I'll actually create, I actually have a document that I keep some ideas for the prompts that I might use um, so that when I go back to it, I don't have to start again. I can start with that prompt and then and then go back and fine tune it from there. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say one other little thing. Um, <laughs> Carly and I had a little bit of a script for how this was going to go, and it has all gone off the rails. Like we, with a lot of this stuff, we didn't really, <laughs> we didn't really plan to talk about. But another thing that I've really enjoyed with the AI assistants is that um, some of them have uh, mobile apps where it uses voice, and so you know you can ask it a question. And so, for instance. You know, I've used uh, Microsoft Copilot's app. I've used the app for Pi. You know, Pi is another AI assistant. And I can I can type using my voice just with the dictation feature on my phone. You know, you hit the little microphone and it just types it all out. And then you can get these apps to read the answers out to you. And I know that's not like super groundbreaking. We've been having our mobile devices read things to us for a long time, but having that voice conversation back and forth means that if I'm out on a run and I want to ask an AI assistant, I mean, I can just hit that and it's, it's easier to do if I'm driving. Um, and if I'm able to safely glance and hit that, you know, microphone, I can have those conversations when I don't have my eyes to be able to, you know, type everything in and then read all of the responses. Like I mean, it's just little things like that. And so if I'm on my way home from school, and I want to brainstorm ideas for tomorrow, I can just do that back and forth with an AI assistant, whether I'm driving or not. Yeah, it, sa it saves a ton of time. And like, <laughs> we, you'll have these ideas all the time, like when you're on a run or when you're driving or when you're sitting, you know, in the parking lot waiting for your kid to get out of school. And so being able to have those back and forth, I know <laughs> you and I do this all the time, Matt, where we'll just drop mm -hmm. things in our chat. But, you know, it's it's so easy to do this with AI and to get a response and that response will click something else and that response will click something else. It's like having this wall that you can bounce back and forth. And then and then you can talk about it with with a, a, a colleague and say, you know, I, I came up with this idea. You know, it doesn't have to just be you and AI in your car all the time, but <laughs> it is it is an option that, you know, you can use to to brainstorm. And and a lot of us do need we, we have all sorts of hours where we're thinking. And I think that it, it's really great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so anyway, the the first half and not all of that was in the in the presentation, but 
you know, for instance, I also talked about how AI can help, help us create lots of examples, you know, lots of examples uh, like student examples or things for students to read using Diffit. You know, Diffit is this, this uh, great sort of um, you know, differentiation tool. Um, you can have AI provide feedback directly to students through Curipod because Curipod has the feedback slides that you can add where students put something in and then the AI analyzes the student response and gives it feedback. Um, and then it can even be a good uh, accessibility tool because you've got, um, you know, tools like Goblin Tools that uh, which you can go to just goblin.tools and it's got all of these, you know, great um, tools that help students or adults or whomever uh, with executive functioning and, you know, like being able to think through things and process and everything, which is, which is really great. So um, that was the first half of it. And then I dove into a little bit of the future and I won't go too deep into this here today, but the more that I read about, you know, the, the more that I read from people who really, really know about AI, uh, you know, for instance, I read the book Scary Smart by Mo Gadot, who uh, worked for Google when it was involved with a lot of their AI stuff. Um, I read The Coming Wave by Mustafa Suleiman, who was part of DeepMind, um, you know, one of those really early powerful uh, AI models. And um, I mean, just on and on and on, you keep hearing from people who are very well versed in AI and they keep saying, you know, things are going to change pretty fast. And whenever I hear people say that, it always makes me think, well, man, for us in education, if we want to prepare students for that future, that seems like, you know, oh, wow, maybe AI will change things in, in many, many years. Nope. I think it's coming faster than that. And so, you know, I look at the students that I have in my class right now, my Spanish classes, I've got freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and a couple of seniors, but especially like for those freshmen, if they're 15 right now, you know, if there's a good chance that they get out into the workforce at maybe, you know, 22, 23 years old or something, that's in eight years. And a lot's going to change in eight years, you know? So I want to be, I want to help them be prepared. So I was talking about you know, how, for instance, in the near future, like in the next couple of years, I think we're going to be trying to figure out what some of these AI tools are capable of to help us be more efficient. But I think we're going to continue to do sort of the same work. Um, even in school, you know, it'll just be like, um, I think that the idea of working with AI and collaborating with AI to do classwork, we're going to better understand what that looks like. And that's going to become more commonplace. But then beyond that, you know, I can see that jobs start to shift, the uh, workforce start to shift, and then maybe even schools start to shift too. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the next five-ish, and again, I'm putting numbers on these num these years. I don't know. Nobody knows. This is just like after reading about it for a while is just my, my best guess. But like, what if in the next five years or so, we start to see that there are things that AI can do that can, um, that, that can help our students, in which case we could have the students working with, uh, you know, AI tools to do some of that stuff. And then the teachers maybe go into like a support role. Uh, which means that maybe even it prompts us to reconfigure the school day, reconfigure the duties that we ask teachers to do, maybe even the physical space of schools. I could see the, all of that coming. But then it, as you go further down the road, like 
you got to start wondering, you know, maybe in the next 10, 15, 20 years, like what is the purpose of school going to be in this, in this future? So, um, I mean, there's lots more questions than we have answers, but I really, really think that if we want to help our students be the best version of themselves, we got to have our eyes open to all of this and prepare ourselves for some of these possibilities, because I think the changes that AI is going to make in our world are going to come faster, faster than we expect. So I don't know, Carly, what do you, what do you think about all of that? Am I like way, way off base here or does it make you feel icky or like, what, what do you think? I think, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think ick, icky is the right word, but it does. It's scary. I mean, it's, I mean, I just, mm -hmm. I think about the past year and how much AI has changed in the past year and how much more we use it now. And I think we're going to become dependent on it, um, if we're not already. And I think that for me as an educator, and I think you feel the same way, Matt, is that we just want to prepare our students the best we can for whatever comes up. And, and we've, we've known this forever in education. We don't know what the future is going to be like, but we're going to prepare our students to think. We're going to prepare them to be innovative and be creative. And if we can give them those tools, then whatever the future looks like, they'll be able to handle it. And I know you have a post that you wrote recently on the Ditch That Textbook blog that's preparing students for the future of AI. And we'll put that in the show notes because um, it dives in even deeper to this. But I think that just being aware of the fact that it's going to change and that we we are innovative educators where we think about the future as changing and that it's not going to be the same and that we're not doing the same thing every day and we keep teaching the way if we're if we embrace AI and we keep changing our teaching to adapt to it and then we're using it to teach our students and we're teaching our students about AI I think we're going to prepare them for the best um the best scenario that, that and there and it's going to be exciting as it goes but it is scary but I think that as we embrace it we're going to be able to prepare our students as well yeah. And I think that excitement is probably one of the things that that gets me going about it the most is that, you know, there's there's so much that's on uh, our plates as educators. And if this starts to lift some of that off and makes the burden a little lighter for, for teachers in general, you know, maybe we start to get some of our joy back and we get to focus on the things that we love. So anyway, a uh, lot to think about there, but that was, that was, uh, Th those were some of the things that I talked about in that one session. I hope you got a chance to watch it. And if not, you know what? The Ditch Summit is back next December. So <laughs> mark your calendar. And um, you know, if you're if you're following us on this podcast or in the Ditch That Textbook email newsletter, we'll let you know when the Ditch Summit comes around again in December. Tech tips. So Carly, you've got a tech tip for us that has to do with book creator today, right? Yeah, I um, my main uh, teaching experience in the classroom is in elementary and I taught first grade. Um, I taught third grade. I taught fourth and fifth. But when I was teaching those little first graders, um, they are pre-readers, most of them when they come to me. And um, one thing that I think a lot of us um, that teach elementary a lot of these tech tools that we see, we're like, oh, you know, you got to teach them how to use it. And is it really going to be beneficial for them? And um, Book Creator has the ability to um, record in audio. And I think that um, and then create their own book or um, you could even record an audio and have them listen. And I think that for a lot of our kids, um, the little ones, I remember my um, 
my master teacher, when I was learning, um, when I was becoming an educator, she said that um, it's it's almost just important that the students think they can read um, than it is for them to actually read as they're learning. So even if they're sitting there and they're recording their own book and um, they're telling about the pictures and they're reading and they're creating their own book that they can actually read online through Book Creator, it helps them with the process of reading. So I think that where they're using the audio feature in Book Creator, and if you can add text and then um, and then later add the text after they're reading and they're actually creating their own book, and then as they become readers, they can go back and actually read it. I think that it's such a cool way to get our pre-readers or those learning to read or even those learning a new language um, using this tool and um and it just increases literacy. And I, I think it's just a fun way to get kids loving reading. Yeah, that's that is really is a great tip. And it also gets the technology in the hands of the littles. And, you know, it's not like there, there's sort of that prevailing thought by some teachers that are like, oh, they're they're too little. They you know, they can't use technology. They can't do this and that and the other and everything. And, you know, giving them some of those steps that they can take to to really make it their own is is huge. So I, I love that you that you called out to that. Um, for me, I wanted to share about some of the accessibility features that Chromebooks have. Uh, I learned about this in the Samsung session in the Ditch Summit. See, if you didn't get a chance to go to the Ditch Summit, you're getting a whole bunch of the good stuff right here in the podcast. So um, we had a, had this presentation from Samsung and um, Anthony Alexander from uh, Samsung was talking about some of these accessibility features that are already like already a part of Chromebooks. They're just baked into the Chromebooks, just sitting there waiting for you to activate them. And all you've got to do is, you know, either open up the settings or help or something and just find the steps to do it. And they're just in there waiting for you. Like for instance, there's select to speak, which whenever you enable that, um, you can get the text on the screen read aloud just by selecting it. There are live captions, you know, like real-time captions uh, for any sort of media that's played in the Chrome browser, audio, video, whatever. Um, dictation lets you type with speaking, and that's already built into a Chromebook too. I know a lot of the Google tools like Google Docs um, has the voice typing in it, but even in a Chromebook itself, you can do dictation. Um, you can even do full screen magnification. And for A, if you have students who have... Um, you know, difficulty seeing, but then also for, you know, for anybody in the class, if you want to zoom in on something, say maybe you're taking a Chromebook and you're, you're putting it onto an interactive display or a projector screen or something, you can use that, that uh, magnification to get bigger on something to make it easier to see. So, um, so with any of those things, if any of those features sound interesting to you, just dive into the help or dive into the settings uh, of the Chromebook and see if you can figure it out. And hey, Maybe you tell a student who could use it, or maybe you have a whole bunch of students enable it, and maybe it makes a big difference, you know? So really, really loved all of those accessibility features that they shared. Quick teaching strategies. So I was reminded of a teaching strategy during the Ditch Summit that I really liked, and it's actually one that I'm planning on using in my own classroom coming up, uh, you know, within the next few weeks. And that has to do with recording video. So one of our spotlight sponsors this year was ScreenPal. 
and you know, ScreenPal actually used to be called Screencast-O-Matic. And so it's one of those screen recording, screen capturing tools where you can capture screenshots and video off of your screen um, through your webcam or, or whatever. And as Sarah Eiler from ScreenPal was presenting and talking about some of the things you could do with video, it's just, you know, kind of occurred to me all, all of the things that, that we could do that are helpful, um, that video could help us with. So for instance, you know, using a tool like ScreenPal to record directions, if you want students to hear the directions from you, like for instance, um, I did a half day virtual workshop today. And so I had to have sub plans. And if I had been thinking ahead, it might've been nice for me to just record a video so that the students could see, okay, this is exactly what we, what you need to do in your, in your assignment. And of course those uh, directions are nice for students that are absent too. Um, you know, not just for if you're gone on a, a day with a sub, but just a quick recording of something like that can be really helpful. And then I'm even thinking, you know, there's going to be a week coming up uh, not too long from now where I'm going to be out of the classroom for a few days. And I'm thinking about how I could record video of myself, you know, talking in Spanish. I'm a high school Spanish teacher. So, you know, talking in Spanish and keeping the kids up to speed on the stuff that we would be doing in class otherwise. So, um, and there's just a ton, there's a ton of stuff that we can do with that, that recorded video. So I was really glad to be able to see, um, that screen pal session to remind myself of some of those, uh, teaching strategies with video. Um, my quick teaching strategy comes from another of our spotlight sponsors, and that is book widgets. And it's a creation tool that you can create uh, 40 different types of interactive activities, games and assessments for your students. And you can even share them through Google Classroom. So it's easy to get your students using them. But with book widgets, you can create a bunch of different interactive gamified activities, which is what I really love using book widgets for. You can create uh, jigsaw puzzles, crosswords, word searches. If you want to review vocabulary concepts, but you can also create matching games uh, like pairs matching, memory. Anytime you want to um, add a little bit of gamification to some of your lessons, especially if you're uh, teaching vocabulary, you're reviewing vocabulary, and we all, no matter what grade you teach, you're, you've got vocabulary words that um, you want your students to be practicing. So these are just fun ways to, to kind of spice up your lessons and um, get your kids playing some games while they're learning. But one of my favorite, favorite features of Book Widgets is that you can create a reward, a reward word um, with some of the widgets. So like pairs matching memory and spot the difference, they'll actually have a word that's revealed when your students complete the activity. So you can take that word and then have your students share it with you some way as they're leaving class or after they finish the activity, they can write it down or maybe say it to you, whisper it to you as they walk out the door. So it's just kind of a fun way to gamify uh, this activity a little bit more so that your students will kind of show you that they finished it, but in a fun way. So lots of different ways to use book widgets. That's just a few of them. So I highly recommend checking out bookwidgets.com and um, see what you can do with book widgets in your classroom. Template of the week.
Now, a lot of times the templates that we share here have to do with Google Slides and PowerPoint. Just seems to be, you know, kind of the way that Carly and I think and a lot of the stuff that we create. But there are lots of other places where you can get one of those templates, you know, one of those pre-made files that you can make a copy of and distribute out to your students and everything. And Carly, you've got a really cool one that that our listeners could use from FigJam, right? Yeah, so FigJam has a bunch of great templates, um, and we have a post that I'll put in the uh, in the notes. But um, this one is the icebreaker trading cards, and as we talked earlier in the show, sometimes a lot of times that we might have um, a new class this um, January, we might have, um, or even if we don't have a new class, we've had a break and our class is coming back. So um, an icebreaker, some sort of team building activity, is really fun to do. And FigJam has a template where they have these icebreaker trading cards and you build your own trading card um, and everyone creates their own with a picture and a little bit about themselves to um, share with the classroom. And like I said, even if you have had your class for a while, I know that when I was in the classroom, I might have gotten a new student um, since then and or we have a big break and things have changed. And so doing icebreakers in January is definitely a good way to start the year because, you know, we can always do these team building activities no matter where we are in the school year. And this one is a fun one from Fig Jam and they have a ton of templates um, that you can use um, with your students. And it's also a fun way to get used to the tool if you wanted to start using Fig Jam. Um, this is this is a fun way to kind of get used to the interface of of the tool. Yep. I love that one. And of course, uh, it's super easy for you to be able to find that, get the link to it, make a copy of it by going to our show notes, which you can find at ditch.link slash podcast. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Ditch That Textbook podcast and another happy new year to you as you're listening to this. And so hopefully you've gotten some ideas for using AI to uh, help your lesson planning and your teaching to level up a little bit or uh, maybe a quick tech tip or you're gonna maybe you're going to use one of those FigJam templates. I don't know, but hopefully there's something helpful to you and um we're excited to have you as a subscriber, as a listener. And of course, if you get a chance to rate or review the show, we always appreciate that. It helps people to be able to find the, the show. So for Carly Mora, I'm Matt Miller. This is the Ditch That Textbook podcast, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Ditch That Textbook podcast. Get new teaching ideas in your inbox by subscribing to our email newsletter at ditch.link slash join. Show notes for this episode are available at ditch.link slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any episodes. And while you're there, please consider rating and reviewing the show. Thanks for listening, textbook ditchers, and we'll catch you on the next episode.